Okay, Psalm 49. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom of a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. So that, they should live, so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not de- descend with them, though while they, they live they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them, who will never see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. And the second reading is from Mark chapter 5, verses 34 to 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Thank you, Ezra. Well, uh, my name is Kim. If you haven't met me before, uh, I used to actually... My wife and I used to come to this church uh, from last year, and so Uni Church holds a very special place in our hearts. Um, I'm currently uh, studying at Trinity Theological College um, and uh, work as a student minister at Dalkeith Anglican, so that's kind of a little bit about me. Um, it's good to be with you, and I'm glad to uh, give this message from Psalm 49 uh, for you. But why don't we ask God's help uh, before we begin? So why don't you pray with me? Father in heaven, in your word, uh, you say that man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we pray that you might do a mighty work among us, that you would nourish us with your word. Um, As I preach, please speak through me and please uh, enable me to speak faithfully to your word uh, for Christ's sake and his glory. Amen. 
Uh, well, a few years ago, uh, we used to get these ads about uh, industry super funds. It's one of those ads where you used to have uh, someone bumping into their friend at the shops and they would, for some reason, get talking about their super. And as they're talking, you know, you'd find out that one was with a, uh, you know, just a super fund, whereas the other one was with an industry super fund. And as the friends parted ways, the ad would ask, well, compare the pair. Which person is better off? Not the one with your vanilla super fund, but the one with the industry super fund. And it was all neatly demonstrated by one person kind of going up the elevator and the other person going down. You see, the whole point of the ad was to make you compare the pair. You know, don't be caught out uh, by investing in a lesser super fund. Uh, Invest in an industry super fund. One is better than the other. Compare the pair. Now, maybe you're wondering uh, what industry super funds and Psalm 49 have in common. But Psalm 49 wants us to compare the pair. But rather than compare super funds, Psalm 49 wants us to compare the fates of two groups of people between those who trust in their wealth and those who don't. And the message of the psalm isn't just for those who are wealthy. I mean, look at verses 1 and 2. It's for all peoples of this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. And so whether you have money or no money, whether you're a somebody or a nobody, Psalm 49 has everyone in their crosshairs, even poor uni students as well. Because you see, our world, it, it runs on wealth. And so the danger for us, I think, is that we can fall into the trap of thinking that actually the best life that we can have now is the one with the best, best lifestyle. And so the wisdom of this psalm is that Psalm 49 says to us, compare the pair. Because what's at stake here is much more than just superannuation. It's actually life and death. So let's jump in. Uh, The psalmist uh, starts with a riddle in verses uh, 5 and 6. So come with me and look at those verses with me. So he says, Why should I fear when evil days come? When wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast in their great riches. Come on a thought experiment with me, says the psalmist. You know, why should I fear when the day comes when I'm surrounded by rich enemies? I mean, enemies who trust in their wealth and they boast in their great riches. You know, why should I fear them? I'm sure we can think of many reasons why you should fear them. You know, money talks. People with money have power. The rich, they can grease the right wheel. They can make problems go away, more so than someone who's poor. In a world, no one really fears a poor enemy because they're powerless. But I guess in our world, we fear the one who is rich because they have power and resources. And it's true in our world. 
And I take it's even more true in the ancient world. So why doesn't the the psalmist then fear rich enemies? Well, I think in this psalm, the psalmist gives us two reasons why. Firstly, because the rich die like everyone else. And secondly, it's because their path leads to eternal death. So firstly, the psalmist doesn't fear the rich because they die like everyone else. Come with me to verses 7 to 9. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die and the foolish and senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Do you see his point? While the rich can buy anything that they want, they can have the waterfront mansion, the luxury car, the six-star holidays, there is one thing that the wealthy cannot buy, and that's a way out of death. You know, as verses 8 to 9 says, the ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. The, the ransom price is priceless. No money is ever enough. You know, I, I remember reading an article uh, in the newspaper about what rich, about rich entrepreneurs kind of doing everything that they could to live long lives. So, you know, they would, they would go hire personal trainers to kind of get in tip-top shape. They would, they would hire health scientists to make sure they had the right, you know, the right diet, They dialed in with supplements and had the best lifestyle. They even went on retreats with, you know, the focus on making sure they lived longer and well. But the best that these rich entrepreneurs can do is actually just delay death. They can't defeat it. Because the ransom price for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough, says verse 8. But more than that, death doesn't discriminate. It, it doesn't only affect just the poor, but it also affects the rich as well. You know, verse 10 says that you know, the wise also die. The foolish and the senseless, they also perish, and they, they, leave their wealth, they leave their wealth to others. And so whether you're rich or poor, young or old, wise or stupid, death still comes. It's not really a question of if, but of when. And so for the rich, even though they might have lived in beautiful houses, had lands named after themselves, says verse 12, their eternal dwelling is really their tomb, says verse 11. You know, when all is said and done, the rich will find themselves... But they've just been playing a big game of Monopoly. They might have bought the whole board. They might have owned Old Kent Road to Mayfair. But when time is up, the game is over. All things are packed away. And they are put in a box and buried six feet underground. And so what does the psalmist conclude? Well, it's there in verse 12. People, despite their wealth, 
do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. So the psalmist doesn't fear rich enemies because they die just like everyone else. Death makes their wealth irrelevant. But maybe you're thinking, hang on a minute, like if everyone dies, the wise and the foolish, the high and the lowly, like isn't it better then to live in luxury rather than in want? I mean, the wise and the foolish, they all end up in the same place. They all die. You know, they might end up with their kind of plot of land in the sky, kind of looking down on their loved ones. And that's kind of what our world thinks, isn't it? You know, you only live once. Why not make the most of your time here on earth? Why not make life as entertaining as, and as comfortable as it should be? And then when you die, you can look down on your loved ones, looking out for them. But in verses 13 to 15, the psalmist shows us that what our world thinks isn't true. It's not true that we actually just live once, because there's actually a life after death. And nor is it true that we also all end up at the same place. Which brings us to the psalmist's second reason. The psalmist doesn't fear the rich enemy because the path of the rich leads to eternal death. Look at verses 13 to 14. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions. Death isn't the end. There's a life after death, says the psalmist. And here it's like the psalmist is taking us beyond the veil of death to show us what happens to rich enemies. And I don't know about you, but the the image is frightening. Because it's saying that those who walk the path of death to the path path of the rich, it actually leads to an eternal death. It leads to a place called Sheol. Now, it's a little bit hidden in verse 14, but this is where the path of the rich ultimately goes. So verse 14, if you look at it there, it, it literally says, they are like sheep and are destined to Sheol. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in Sheol, far from their princely mansions. See, the path of the, de- of the rich doesn't just end in death, but it ends in eternal death. It ends in Sheol. Now, in the Old Testament, Sheol, it's, it's the name for the realm of the dead. But, you know, being, being the realm of the dead isn't kind of like a doctor's waiting room. You know, it's not, it's not, where the, it's not a place where... Sheol isn't a place where the, the dead just kind of wait around, waiting to kind of enter. It's, kind, it's more like a holding cell for criminals, awaiting judgment. Sheol, it's, it's not a neutral place. Uh, Psalm 88 describes Sheol as the place of darkness, the, the place where God's presence doesn't extend or his care doesn't shine. It's where the wicked go. And it's the final destination for those who walk the path of the rich. But why does this path lead to Sheol? 
I think verse 13 gives us our answer. It's because the path of the rich, it it actually leads you to trust in yourself. You know, wealth, it provides for your needs. When it's given you status and power and recognition, when it's given you a comfortable life, then in many ways it's very easy to trust in yourself, isn't it? It becomes very easy to think that actually you don't need God at all. And that's the fatal error. Because the reality is, our whole life depends on God. I mean, everything that is good that we experience comes from Him. You know, we only woke up this morning because God put breath in our lungs so that we would be here. God is the one who holds the keys of life and of death. He's the one who has made us. But those who travel on the path of riches think that they are the ones who are gods themselves. You see, verse 14 tells us that the path of riches is really the path of death. Death will be their shepherd. Death will lead those who walk this path by the hand to Sheol. And that's terrifying. Because it means it's possible to look like you're doing well by the world's standards and find out at the end that you've just been travelling on the highway to death the whole time. So why doesn't the psalmist fear rich enemies? It's because their path leads to eternal death. But verse 15 holds the great twist in the riddle because the psalmist's fate is different to his rich enemies, but not for reasons that we would expect. Look at verse 15. But, says the psalmist, God will redeem me from the realm of the dead, from Sheol. He will surely take me to himself. Now, there's two surprises in this verse. The first surprise lies in who redeems the psalmist. It's God. Verse 7 said that, well, no one can redeem the life of another or give God a ransom for them. But verse 15 is saying that God will do what the psalmist cannot do himself. God will redeem him and pay his ransom. But there's a second surprise. And that's where God redeems the psalmist from. It's from Sheol. But why does the psalmist belong there? Why does he think he belongs there? I think the answer is, well, that's where everyone belongs. You see, the difference between those who are upright and those who are wicked It's not actually that the upright do good and the wicked don't. That's not the defining feature. The difference is actually that the upright realise they need help, whereas the wicked, they don't. The, The wicked are the ones that trust in themselves, whereas the upright are the ones who trust in God to save them. And see, the fact of the matter is, we're all bent toward ourselves. You know, against God, we're, against, we're people without, against God, without hope, 
We're people who owe God a ransom for our lives. You know, you and I deserve to be in Sheol. And yet the psalmist somehow knows that God will redeem him and take him to himself. Now, this image of taking, it's, it's deeply personal. It's, it's the same kind of action that God did to Enoch, you know, taking him to himself, never to experience death. It's the same action that God did to Adam in kind of taking the woman to him in the Garden of Eden. The image of taking is, is of God personally saving the psalmist, of taking him by the hand, of leading him into his presence, just like how a parent would take their child and, and lead them to cross the road. While those who trust in themselves find that their wealth, it can't save them. The psalmist reveals that his God can. His God will do what the, psalm, what the psalmist cannot do himself. God will pay his unpayable ransom and redeem him from the depths of Sheol. Do you see what verse 15 is doing? Verse 15 is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Because how, how is it possible that God will repay an unpayable ransom? How will God save his people from the depths of Sheol? It's only going to be through the death of Jesus, the death of the eternal Son of God. It would only be through his death on a cross that for all those who trust in him, they wouldn't descend into Sheol, but would rather be with him, enjoying his presence and life forever. You know, while the psalmist can say, God will redeem him from Sheol, I guess we can say, God has redeemed us from Sheol through the death and resurrection of his son. So where have we been so far? We've seen that the psalmist doesn't need to fear rich enemies because they die like everyone else. And secondly, that their path leads to Sheol. But we've also seen that the great hope, we've seen the great hope in this psalm. And and that's in verse 15, that God will redeem the psalmist from Sheol and take him to himself. So what does that mean uh, for you and me? Well, imagine for many of us, while we know that the path of the rich is deadly, there is still something alluring about it, isn't there? I mean, there's an allure to kind of obtaining all the worldly trinkets, all the, the milestones and, you know, that the world kind of places in front of us. You know, the GPA, the internship, the job offer, the house. You know, I went to my uh, school's 10-year reunion a while ago, and um, this is how people compared themselves. They, it's basically, you know, how many trinkets have you gathered up in the past 10 years? And I guess these trinkets, they, they do promise so much. They, they promise security, status, recognition. But if we understand Psalm 49 rightly, then we must see that what matters is not our life now, but life with God in the world to come. In fact, Jesus echoes the wisdom of this psalm in Mark 8, 34 to 36. 
you know, uh, Ezra helpfully read it out for us. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. See, Jesus, he's holding out the same offer as Psalm 49 does. I can either choose to save my life now by trying to make a name for myself, by pursuing wealth and success. But if I take this road, death will be my shepherd. Death will lead me by the hand to Sheol. Or I can choose to lose my life now. I can choose to build my life on Jesus and his gospel. I can seek his good rather than my own. And if I take this road, he will be my shepherd. He will lead me not to death, but to eternal life. And it's all because he's paid my ransom. He's offered his very own body, which we'll celebrate later on, so that we might live. And when I build my life on Jesus... It's actually freeing rather than constricting because it means that I don't have to run after all those, you know, trinkets, those milestones that the world places in front of me. I don't actually need them. You know, all these, all those milestones, they're, they're really just the worlds. They're not gods. And if I trust in them, the end result is really the tomb. But if in Jesus I have life, then actually it means that I can take gospel risk. I can actually, you know, forgo a dream of kind of, you know, living in the western suburbs and staying in a nice kind of postcode and actually move to an area which has less opportunity to hear the gospel. I can actually seek to share the gospel with my friends, even though I know that I might cop some flack for it. I can seek to take a worse job so that it doesn't clash with church on Sunday. I can even consider giving up a promising pathway at uni and decide to serve God in gospel ministry. Or I could even move overseas and seek to proclaim the gospel there. Life in Jesus means that, actually, I can take risks He's paid my ransom. He's redeemed me from death. What else do I have to fear? So compare the pair. While the life of those who trust in themselves, who trust in their wealth, it does look rosy, easy, secure. But the reality is, in the face of death, it really is just a highway to Sheol. Whereas the life of those who trust in God, who know him, who stick with him through the ups and downs of life, through the green pastures and dark valleys, the end means that they will be redeemed from death. They will live with Jesus forever. And God will, at that point, will take us by the hand and lead him to himself because we've trusted in his son. Our road will go on. We will live even though we die. And that's a real and certain hope. Will you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for Psalm 49 and for, yeah, the glimpses of Jesus that the psalmist saw. And Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he has paid our ransom, that in him we live, even though we die. And so, Father, help us to trust in him, to know that, yeah, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, that our labour in the Lord is not in vain. Help us to take risks for his sake, we pray. Amen.